there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem. Of a detour. The knuckleball free kick. The slow breathing. Do you know what, though? Before the free kick. You know the... <laughs> yeah. The worst ripple effect of Ronaldo and the knuckleball is the fact he's had he's gone on to take so many free kicks. I, I like to look sleek. Do you know and what? The ankle though? socks will help with that. Look at the team that got to the Champions League final, that Arsenal side, with Ronaldo. Are we looking at an Arsenal Champions League winner? When he becomes a coach, we'll look back and we'll go, the first ripple effect of Cristiano coaching was a moth landing on him. If Gonzalo Ramos joins United this summer as the number nine, off the back of the World Cup hat-trick, it's yeah, Ten yeah, Hag yeah. dropping Ronaldo, empowering Fernando Santos to drop Ronaldo, to promote Gonzalo Ramos, who then goes on to become a superstar and joins Manchester United, replacing the number nine Manchester United soul, a.k.a. Cristiano Ronaldo, six months early. Hello friends, welcome back to The Ripple Effect with myself, James Alcott. Now, following on from the podcast earlier in the week where we talk about the future of England and we talk about the possible death of the number 10 role, in this episode, myself and Joe Tomlinson traverse through the life and career of Cristiano Ronaldo, a player who we have all been talking about in so much detail over the last couple of decades, who's had a record-breaking career and recently broke another one. He became the most capped international player of all time. So we will have a look at that early career at Man United, the goal-laden years at Real Madrid, the financial crisis, quite possibly, that occurred due to his transfer to Juventus, and, of course, that interview with Piers Morgan, which quite possibly has changed the power dynamics of the modern footballer forevermore. This is an absolute belter and Joe is such a great guest. He knows so much about this game that we love. If you are enjoying the podcast at the moment, please do consider hitting that follow button on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. And of course, give us a five star rating as well. But for now, sit back, unwind and enjoy the ripple effect. Cristiano Ronaldo's effect on football is Honestly, I didn't realise how immeasurable it was, regardless of how shocking that statue was. His effect on football, it, it can't be kind of quantified through those amazing numbers. And actually, numbers, I think, is one of the consequences of Ronaldo and his career. Um, but he had over uh, 832 goals, five Champions League winners, medals, countless domestic honours, and four Ballon d'Ors as well. So we're going to kind of go through... The life and times a little bit, but I'm, I've kind of got. I was on a flight and had a bit of time, so I kind of I wrote a list of stuff of repels. Yeah, because I was sort of you know when you're in an airport and like mm. the, the Wi-Fi is not working, and you go, oh, what am I going to do? Going to have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, let's use your own brain for a second. So I kind of I got quite a few, which we can let, we can do some quick fire ones from me actually, and then we'll get into the rest of it. Before we do, make sure you check out the first podcast we did this week with Joe. We were talking about Conte briefly, and then talking about tens and if they've died or not and we we uh, got to the bottom of that one and talking about England's future it was cracking so go listen to that and if you are new to the podcast do me a favor I think we're nearly at about 2,000 ratings on Spotify so 
So follow the podcast on Spotify or wherever you are and give us a rating as well. Um, that would be much appreciated. A couple of clicks. Um, thanks a lot. So here's my list. You ready? Okay. So for those of you who don't know, by the way, Joe is a Man United fan. Mm. And just before we started, I, your feelings on him are, are quite complex, which I'm sure we'll get to. Chris, Cristiano, yeah, yeah, I think he, I think he brings out complex feelings in most people. Cristiano, I think I everybody can admit he is a genius on the pitch, but you know, th- there's there's a lot of baggage that's followed Cristiano Ronaldo across his career, isn't there? So I think it is a, it, a lot of people have mixed feelings about. True, him. and uh, yeah, some of those which you'll probably be aware of and were happy to tweet me about, I won't be reading out just be, just because I don't want to get sued. Okay, so here's my list from my notes. First of all, the knuckleball free kick. Now I'm not saying he created it. Mm. Did did didn't he? I thought, wasn't it Janino? I guess in his own way, right? I I had never seen a ball struck like it. I I, I mean maybe Janino. I I don't remember it being done as regularly though, because certainly Janino had more of a whipped natural free kick in his locker. It wasn't every strike a knuckleball? Uh, I suppose to a level, Roberto Carlos kind of hit the ball very hard and direct, but again, it was more well. So Andre Perlo. Perlo uh, gives Janino, is it Pernambuco? Yes, it is. The credit. Okay. He says he copied it. But it is a slightly different one because Perlo's is actually quite, it feels almost quite flimsy, but it's about topspin instead of curl yeah. like Beckham. So there is an element of the kind of knuckleball there. But in terms of the valve and Ronaldo, mm. so I think it's also pretty much, I'm not sure how many years, but it, it felt it, like it, a pioneering free kick. It did, didn't it? And it, this week, is the anniversary of the one against Porto as well, the goal against Porto, where mm. he then screams and the veins pop out of his neck. So that was certainly one, the knuckleball free kick. Because I think all of a sudden, prior to that, it was like trying to do a Beckham free kick. And then all of a sudden, you're trying yeah. to find the valve, put the valve there. And also, I think someone tweeted me this, so forgive me, uh, whoever that person was, because I haven't got it in front of me right now. But the uh, The slow breathing. Do you know what, though? Before the free kick. You know the... <laughs> yeah. The worst ripple effect of Ronaldo and the knuckleball is the fact he's had he's gone on to take so many free kicks. That is the worst ripple effect. His free kick taking in later life has been utterly horrible. And he has effectively been handed the ball every time because he pioneered a style. Yeah. It shows... Oh, God, I just banged my knee. Banged my knee, banged my chin. Um, on the uh, mic there, sorry. So, that's so true. Because he, it's just, it's almost, there's an element of ego in it as well. I also think there's, there has to be, there has to be training ground free kick takers who are unbelievable. Every QPR fan will know what player I'm about to say. Let's all say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Johan Barbe, right? Mm, Johan Barbe, centre back for us. Great, he can do a cross field pass, no problem. You yep. get a free kick. And when you get a free kick, I want to see... I are 10, Ilias Chair, on the ball. Or I want the guy who takes the corners, or the guy who's got a wand. Johan Barbe, time and again, would step up. I don't want centre-backs taking free kicks. Tell that to Eric Dyer, And he was useless. <laughs> he was absolutely useless. And Ronaldo, because of... And a bit like... Roberto Carlos was a bit like this as well. Because he scores that one crazy uh, one. He gets his, his ratio is, is outrageous. Uh, Giuseppe Martucci said uh, on Twitter, he invented that stupid free kick routine, causing countless missed free kicks from terrible players trying to copy him. That's very true. Yeah, do you know what? That is so true. Endless players have tried the knuckleball and failed. I mean, 
do you know what? The the actually probably the best goal I've ever seen scored in the flesh was a knuckleball free kick by Marcus Rashford at the bridge. Do you remember that one in the League Cup or FA Cup? I think it was, and it's Maybe. about forty yards out. And there was a lot of chat afterwards. Is this better than Ronaldo's against Portsmouth? <laughs> And I was literally sat next to Zach Jalab and I said to him, for God's sake, because Rashford has a tendency in the past to line up a knuckleball exactly as Ronaldo yeah. Rose Z. It must have, 60 in a row must have gone Rose Z. For God's sake, this is going Rose Z again. Arrows it into the top bins. And I am convinced that that one free kick against Portsmouth caused at least a thousand missed knuckleball free kicks. But, but everyone, well, there's always one. That goes but importantly, in. the the third goal against Wales. Yeah, it's kind of that. It was that kind of goal. I was right behind that one in Qatar, and it, you did sort of think. I don't know if it, there's a there's a ripple effect of a, a if you're in the crowd and you're behind a free kick. Yeah. you think it's going in. But do you know what? <laughs> the last kick of the game against France at the World Cup was a free kick on the edge of the box. Marcus Rashford had it in a position yeah. of unbelievable yeah. dominance from a free kick. Knuckleball went for the knuckleball power drive into the into the Because he corner. had probably scored the one before, obviously. Yeah, and obviously it was very, very close. A good effort, but yeah. missed. Maybe if if Ronaldo had never scored the knuckleball yeah. against Portsmouth, we would have won the World Cup. We would have potentially been in the World Cup right. final run. Right, and potentially be in Argentina and that is why James Ward-Prowse was in my squads when we are doing our squad selects wow because you need him for those moments no you don't you literally, you literally make a substitution in that moment that's why you do it right next white socks over socks no it was done before him I know it was done before him but I started doing it Would and I, I enjoy doing it no. because of him I feel I've started to stop I now. feel that was more Thierry Henry Era when they what used, the little ankle socks where he used to roll his socks up above his Very knee different. and then and, but no, no miles no. apart and literally then, at other the ends base, of the leg at the base have a white I think I remember Thierry Henry doing that away at the new camp in a yellow kit when he was dogging it into the corner playing unbelievably high high socks white ankle <sighs> I socks I can't I can't allow that no I don't think so. look I think Maradona probably was one of the first guys to do it and different people have different things so Maradona had the thing where he would tie his laces around his ankle mm. and Ginola did that afterwards. But the, the ankle sock one, I, I would like to give that to Ronaldo because I know I started doing it because I kind of saw him. And it, his, uh, it's a big thing for me how you look when you're playing football. It really is. Because I think that allows you to... I, I like to look sleek. Do you know and what? the ankle socks will help with that. That has now rippled to such an extent that professional football socks do not include feet. Yeah. And haven't for some time. And I asked Alex Neal this, who's Stoke City manager now, he was Sunderland manager. So what's all this nonsense? Why are they all cutting their their calves? Mm. They're trying to release some pressure in their calves. Do you know what, though? For people who don't know what we're talking about here, that a lot of, obviously, you buy a football sock in a shop or the mega store or online, wherever, and it will include a foot, won't it? It'll include a foot. Whereas yeah. professional <laughs> Most socks will, socks, just to be, if yeah, anyone's yeah. getting worried here, most football socks will include Whereas a foot. when you go into a dressing room of a Premier League team, it's just knee to ankle. Yeah. It's that bit of material. And then the sock is whatever the player chooses. Yes. It's like a te- it'll be like yeah, a tennis yeah. sock or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. something extra, like dry fit, extremely comfortable that they use regularly. That's a ripple effect potentially of white sock gate early. Because uh, I don't yeah, reckon yeah, yeah. that those early days of white socks it was, definitely it was over just over a normal yeah, sock. Yeah, that's class. It wasn't a cut. Great work, Joe. Great it wasn't work. a cut. That's really good. Wow. Attackers getting hench. Hmm. Gareth Bale. Is Gareth Bale that massive? New kind of brawn? No, I think that's just... I don't believe that was... Cristiano Ronaldo. Name someone before Ronaldo. Uh, yeah. 
before Ronaldo that Who's was like absolutely that? stacked up. Who, who, who did that? Because Ronaldo, Ronaldo came skinny, didn't he? And then he just turned into a monster. Yeah, he did. And played as a, as a wide player. Yeah, and transitioned into more of a forward. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I think he certainly was one of the pioneers of extreme focus on diet and fitness away from the pitch and what you can do Traps. To, to take your game to a new level. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe the fact that he just looks aesthetically so pleasing when he has his shirt off, do you know what I mean? Oh, well, you think that's the driver for him? I think it's a large part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really do. Like, yeah. I think obviously it helps him play football. But so I think I, when he's poolside shirt off and he has the paps on him, he like he's he's very. There's a documentary, a Juventus groomed, do- isn't it? Uh, documentary, and when he was there, he was he would have training, and then he would have twenty minutes of sun. <laughs> he would just sit there. And be this like, is what I mean. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. walking around, and then Ronaldo's just there. Somebody would be like, "What would you do? You're crazy." So you know, I think, but I don't think Gareth Bale looks like he doesn't get sort of stacked like he did in his pr- pomp. If Ronaldo's not not gone and done that personally, mm. okay. I don't know. I think I think that the evolution of football would have meant the players would have done that anyway. Someone else might have done. Look it. at Mo Salah. Uh, the modern day football tart. He sort of had his own. It had his generation of like the gel and everything else. There was no, a, there was a no. Ronaldo he look. Was, he was he was rippled prior to that. There was, you know. Players like Beckham and that were certainly rippling okay, the gel right. and the tartiness before. Well, the, the, these are these are Cristiano. further down the list. Okay. Oh, here's a good one. There's there's no fat. There's no Ronaldo the fat one. If you don't have Ronaldo, yeah, that is a good one. That's really unfair. One of the greatest strikers ever. I saw a tweet the other day and it was saying you can only have a front three from the, the, the all these guys. Yeah, like which one do you have? Yeah. And I was like, and that's when it dawned on me. It's like we call him Ronaldo. Is called Fat Ronaldo. And that's so unfair. Only in certain circles, though. I think in all circles. No, I think most people will call him R9. Well, so that was another one as well. So is is which Ronaldo starts the initial and letter? Is that is it sort well, of it chicken egg situation? R9. It must be R9 if it's if we're going. He had the boot, didn't he? He did have the boot. He definitely pioneered the branding of. Actually, did he? Was DB7 a fragrance? <laughs> I think before CR7. You, did you have DB7? No, but I think DB7 might have been a fragrance or certainly a brand. Before CR7. Uh, keeping ab machines relevant. Keeping ab machines relevant? Ab. Oh, no. I don't think we even know what those machines are anymore. I think there's something like that happened in the sort of, you know, the early noughties and they d- disappeared. But because he's got a deal with those electronic ab machines, I think that keeps us in it. No, keeps no, Keeps them no. relevant. I think, I think they've Joe's died out anyway. Home. I think they've died out anyway. Okay. The success of the stream of speed. What's that? You know Speed, the... Uh... Sui. Oh, Sui, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you said the stream of, but yeah, so yeah. Streamer. Does, speed, he, yeah. does he have the success he has if Ronaldo's not I mean, about? I think it's helped. Yeah, oh, it's definitely helped. I mean, when he first packed that card, then I think, in fact, there has been a video subsequently where Speed has met the guy who, in the comments, first ever said, like, Sui. Or like... Really? Or like... That's Ronaldo. That's amazing. Yeah, I think he's he's been introduced. He's a British guy, so when he came for the Sidemen charity match, I think somebody set it up so that he met the guy who pioneered the Sui alongside him, and then it was like this obviously speed, insane energy yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I agree. I don't think he's as big if there's no Cristiano. Although maybe he just latches onto another player. But there's no pl- there's no other player like Ronaldo, is there? No, it's Sui's another ripple effect, isn't it? <laughs> what turning turning your back on turning your back on the crowd after scoring a goal? No, Poznan, let Poznan. Nice, well saved. That's why you're here. 
Okay, so those those are the ones from my list from the airport. Mm. Uh, we're going to have a little ad break, and then we're going to come back and have a look at the how John O'Shea helped <sighs> and hindered many a life. <laughs> back in a sec. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Early life and career of Ronaldo. So he came through at uh, Sporting Club de Portugal. His first step into the limelight was when he was playing in a friendly against Manchester United in August 2003, where he played a friendly against... Uh, at Man United against Sporting, and in this game, he tore John O'Shea mm. famously a new one. So it goes. So Two the story shreds. goes, and that convinced Man United in that moment to sign him there and then. Yeah, the deal was done in five days. Although after the match. I want to bring up a ripple effect around that sort of time mm-hmm. as we as we grow into it. I mentioned it before we start recording, Jimbo. But I think the earliest sign of a Cristiano ripple effect was when. Beckham got hit in the face with a boot by Sir Alex Ferguson because that was really the time when you knew the relationship was going to splinter sure. a- and David Beckham was going to leave Manchester United. Well, let's, and go, let's go further back here. Why, why is he, what deep down, why is he throwing the shoe? Well, because of frustration at the game, but also maybe you could point to, well, he didn't mean to hit Beck's first and foremost, you know, it was it was a randomly kicked shoe, but the shoe flies through the air in a path that hits Beckham. Beckham ends up leaving for Madrid, yep. which ends up causing Ronaldinho, rather than going to Madrid or Manchester United, where he was meant to be going, Ronaldinho was meant to be going to Manchester United. Well, Man United wanted him, but it, he was very close to joining United. Very, very close well, to joining he told, United. Well, he told Cleberson, he, I mean, said, I'm, I'm he said, yeah, he said, go, I'm going. Yeah, he was very close to joining Manchester United, let's not forget. And instead, because Beckham didn't go to Barcelona, he went to Madrid. Ronaldinho ended up going to Barcelona. And because he didn't sign for Manchester United, United signed Cristiano. So Ronaldo would never have been at United to tear to, the conversation around John O'Shea's performance. Yeah. To be shredded yeah. would never have happened if the boot hadn't struck Beckham, had led him to go to Madrid, had opened up the opportunity for Barca to sign Ronaldinho from PSG. And I think the truth is, okay, oh, it hit Bex by mistake in the eye. I think he was throwing it at Bex. And I also think that... Wild the accusation. Truth, the truth. Wild <laughs> accusation. The truth around that is that if he doesn't meet... Well, I mean, we'll, if we'll he have doesn't to meet do, Victoria. Well, yeah. I've, but mm. I think that'll have to be another. That'll be, have to be a whole podcast at some point. We'll have to do David Beckham because does David Beckham have the career he has? Does he come back from that red card if he's not got Victoria. the profile? Yeah. If he and actually, I, when we did the live show, I think we spoke about it. We spoke about. Oh no, maybe we didn't. We didn't have time. But there was there was a moment in time when um, Posh Spice could have retained the position of being the A side. Of the of the couple, but uh, there was a moment, and it was essentially her um, music career floundering. Anyway, that's another podcast. <laughs> so he does go to he does uh, mm. go to Man United, most expensive teenager of all time. Money well spent. Yes, yeah, you get you. Good point. Is that a starting point of do people start to look at it differently in terms of those teenagers and buying those youngsters? Not a Fergie, I don't think. I think he was always looking for those kind of mm. those youngsters to to bring in. Uh, so. 
if a better defender is playing against Ronaldo, a young Ronaldo like that, does it does it happen as well, or is that harsh on John O'Shea? I don't. I think it's very harsh. I think that the story of you know all the players went in the dressing room, and they all went get that yeah, lads yeah. united. Do you believe that? Uh, I think as an employee of Rio do you believe that? Yeah, I think this idea of Manchester United after that one game were like, yeah, we, as if United weren't scouting him for months and done full write-ups and analysis work and had spoken to multiple agents. That Fergie just walked in a room and went, he's mine. Yeah, unless it was, you know, unless it was still at that time when I it think, was kind of, you know, I think it wasn't what, the same. I think the truth of it is, is that United were very, very interested, but moved up their interest almost a season. They were willing to let him stay at Sporting yeah, and go, we're develop. giving up yeah, to develop. Yeah, yeah. And we're kind of like, okay, we're going to move this up. We're going to move up the timeline. He's that good. He can compete at this level. That's probably the truth of it, rather than this is the reason we yeah, signed Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pretty much moved up the timeline because Arsenal were very interested at that time as well. Well, so yeah, so at the time, Arsene Wenger and Arsenal were heavily scouting yeah. him and close to making a move for him. So had Man United not signed him, this is unbelievable. So, so how many he... players can we say this about for Arsenal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no. but let's just let's go down this road. So, say Ronaldo is a part of the Invincibles. So, with him at the club, that might have kind of stopped Chelsea uh, that year. Although Chelsea were so good, that's one of yeah. the greatest teams of all time. So that does make it difficult. And that but in first terms of the... early Ronaldo. Sorry, oh, yeah. Right. That, well, that's a really good point as well. So, is Ronaldo different? If Ronaldo goes to Arsenal, how different is? both his career and I guess we're going to move on to other people's career because he's obviously had, you know, that that ripple effect on, on other players around him. But I, when I was thinking about him at Arsenal, first of all, I think, I think Arsenal don't go to the quote-unquote depths that they have because I think he would have always come good because, mm-hmm. you know, he was so elite. But what I do like, there's, there's definitely a synergy between the sort of drive... And the kind of, I guess, the physicality almost. It sounds weird when you're talking about Ferguson, but like his team, certainly. Yeah. Like Man United teams played wide, they played quick, they went and got at the opposition, they went and scored goals, they didn't mess about really. Super counter attacking, even in those days. Yeah, yeah. Sort of got on with it, kind yeah. of thing. Whereas at Arsenal, if he'd gone to Arsenal, that player that kind of got beat out of him from the stories that you hear where they didn't give fouls on Ronaldo and they'd kick him and then mm. he'd have to get up and get on with it because he was infuriating. At Arsenal, they play a different style, far more possession-based. Does he does he sort of focus on different aspects of him? Does he focus on his body as much? I think he still becomes the player he is. I think it's just Do inherently you? in him. Yeah. I, I wonder. I'd, I, I would be interested to see what would happen to those to those, some of the other names in the Arsenal side. That, would he have just dragged them along with him to, to new heights and, you know, but, but Champions that, League final? That mentality, is that mentality something that was, yes, there, but grown at Man United? I think if, it was a, if we were talking about a club that didn't have leaders in it akin to Manchester but we they did that that you know you look at that Arsenal side they did and like you look look at the team that got to the Champions League final that Arsenal side with Ronaldo are we looking at an Arsenal Champions League winner I th- yeah I think you've got certainly different options there in terms of the one thing I would say about Arsenal teams is it was more about passing than dribbling mm. It's more about a team unit than individual brilliance. Exactly. You know, you remember those goal, the goal against Norwich City. I remember, I think Jack Wilshere scored that one. Like, there was a lot of those sort of... There used to be five foot nine midfielder, quite slim with his shirt tucked out. But that maybe, was maybe that's what Ronaldo, Ronaldo would have changed at the club. He would have been the guy who, 
you know, took them to new heights potentially. But I think what helped him at United was he he broke through at a very similar time to Wayne Rooney. And you had the physicality of Wayne, even at 17 years old, that Cristiano didn't possess. So I could imagine Ronaldo on the training line going, I've got a ma- this kid is a freak physically. Yeah. I've got to match him. Mm. Did Arsenal have a player that was either coming through at that time or was so physically, he, that it was like, what? This is like a man in a 17-year-old's body. That's really interesting. Say the Rooney element of it. So say if you have a graph, and maybe at the start, when, when it comes to that ability to sort of deal with Premier League football, Ronaldo, despite that unbelievable cameo against Bolton in his first game, did struggle, did frustrate, and was a lot more, wasn't as thick as he became. Rooney was far more probably impressive. And then over time, Rooney yeah. kind of stayed where he was, and Ronaldo, you know, there was that up curve, and he went and flew past him. That's someone that's very close to you as a clear competitor. And and again, maybe what you're saying is right in terms of Ronaldo gets wherever he wants to get to because he has yeah, that fire. He does. But at Arsenal, he would not have had that same philosophy or those direct competitors. Those well, competitors. A player, but he had. He would have had Henri. But does so? But Henri is Henri's not really even about the physical either. No With speed, yes, but not. I think he would have just had physique. But he's obviously like an elite professional. I think it would have been very, very similar. Personally, I. I just think that Arsenal might have, you know, might have got over the line in the Champions League. I think he would have gone on to become the player he is wherever he went, Ronaldo. I really do. Yeah, I think when you think of a player going to another team, I think the important thing is always thing is would he stayed there. So I think with Ronaldo, you could he would have moved on, and he might have moved on quicker. I've never seen a player more destined for Real Madrid than Ronaldo. Like yeah. he's the ultimate Real Madrid player. If you could draw a Real Madrid player like superstar Galactico, more so than Messi. Ronaldo is Madrid. It's like, it's yeah. the perfect Madrid guy. Yeah, yeah. And those two, we're obviously going to talk about those two. They were both, you know, at Real Madrid and at Barcelona, just perfect for both those clubs at those moments in time. So, Man United first in. Ronaldo arrived at Old Trafford in 2003. He's there for six years until Real Madrid made a move for him. I do think there was a key game for Ronaldo as well. And the one that st- sticks out for me was the League Cup against Wigan, where Man United pumped them it might have been 4-0 so 3-0 4-0 Ronaldo I think hadn't he either didn't start or I should have looked into this shouldn't I he either didn't start or hadn't start started the games prior to that and wasn't really a regular and he played in that game and he was just different caliber yeah 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 and it, that was a moment where I was like oh I think he's starting to figure this out because yeah. he wants to kind of be the best do you know the moment that really stands out for me in my thinking is Roma away the greatest header I've ever seen of a ball. And in that moment, I remember thinking, this guy is on a different planet. He's he's competing aerially like the best nine you've ever seen. He can shoot and score from 40 yards. He can beat five players. It was like, what are we watching here? Like physically, this is like an NBA player out jumping players. That really reminds me of like... Wow, what is going on? Because I think with that goal as well, he kind of sh- he shattered what you thought. Yeah, he what people generally yeah. thought he was. You know, there's, I've got a tweet here. Really Worried about being injured and stuff, but Skolzy hangs it up. He just commits everything. I'm crashing. I'm taking everything here. 
So this is a little bit further on, but Matty Noble says, the switch from uh, dynamic winger to advanced forward at Madrid, uh, having all the quality supplying him for the easy goals, but him still supplying the quality in clutch moments. So we kind of see that before yeah. in, in that those kind of moments. And he does, I think, I can't remember if it's 2007, I think it might be 2007, he does sort of drag United to that 100%, first The away goal after. at Fulham, yeah. on, from the left-hand side, um, that was a massive moment. I like so many clutch moments. I think Champions League final in Moscow against Chelsea. The header, header like, yeah, was yeah, yeah. massively underrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like climbing to flick it into the bottom left corner whilst getting clattered from absolutely. He's the ultimate clutch player, yeah. and he has been throughout his entire career. And those kind of players are really fun to see when it's it is kind of a physical thing where it's like oh they just seem a bit. They look like a 16-year-old playing with 11-year-olds. Do you know what I mean? It looks like a little bit too much. You've kind of seen that with Haaland. I certainly feel like I've seen that. So he played 196 Premier League matches, 84 goals, picked up a Ballon d'Or in 2008. He won a total of 12 trophies at Man United, including three Premier Leagues and the Champions League. Mr. Penai, of course. Should have won a treble. If If we're being honest, and do you know what? That's a good ripple effect. Was it John O'Shea going in goal against Portsmouth? Oh, yeah, yeah. Knocked out of the FA Cup semi-final. Is was it quarter-final? It was, it was, you know, that was... was a, nil, wasn't it? Yeah. Should have won a treble that season. Um, and that would have been, obviously, Sir Alex's second treble after 99. That group of players probably... In my lifetime, I don't really remember 99 that well. Obviously, I was only five years old. It's definitely the best Manchester United team ever, the front three. And... Uh, yeah, I would I would say probably could have come away with a treble there that season. True. Portsmouth, man, at home. <laughs> Don't they? Regret, I imagine those players have a lot Don't of Don't get that greedy. Game. So he leaves for 80 million and Man United gets to the Champions League next season. But the incomings that followed were Michael Owen, mm. Gabriel Obertan, El Glazer, <laughs> Glazernomics, <laughs> and Antonio Valencia. So what was the strategy mm. here? Fergie ball, isn't it? Fergie, <laughs> just, just give him whatever and he'll win the league. We need, we need someone who can dribble a bit. We need mm. someone who can finish. No, but this was we a continuous problem that Ronaldo never got replaced for years and years and years. Was that the beginning of the end? Um, because that is a huge player I don't to know, lose. Because, because we were still hitting Champions League finals even without Cristiano because of the brilliance of players like Wayne Rooney, who maybe in a lot of people's eyes now... I feel like he's actually underrated Rooney at this stage. Honestly, the yeah. brilliance of yeah. Wayne Rooney across those seasons um, and even in the seasons when Ronaldo was at the club kind of goes under the radar. You know, United would have come out of that series of Champions League finals when I think it was three and four years, wasn't it? If it wasn't for the greatest football team that ever graced planet Earth in Barcelona, we've probably probably another two Champions Leagues. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it was, you know, that was... Th- the reason for the decline or the fact that we never replaced him, but it was certainly a problem. What about Nanny? Because mm. Nanny was the guy, seemed similar, had, you know, skill. Nanny was never as consistent. Like, you could see that Nanny was never Were you waiting for but, but Ronaldo wasn't at the start either. No. Were they hoping for the same thing? No, it was a different kind of thing, I think. You know, Nanny was brought in as a stock, stock wide man, really, that could contribute in big moments in fairly irregular fashion. But he, was, he never had the... Vavavoom of Cristiano, I don't think. For me, yeah. anyways, a United fan. Well, I think there was just a very clear switch with Ronaldo where before, at one moment, it was about beating the man and then it became about scoring the goals. Yeah. 
And I'm I, not sure that ever happened with Nani. I know, and I think he, people forget. Just like I know that Ronaldo is obviously unbelievable, but people forget that that front line at one stage was Ronaldo, Rooney, Berbatov. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Ronaldo was obviously amazing, but some the, the Tevez in that season at United, Berbatov consistently when yeah. he was at United. The issue for United was that when they let him go to Madrid, obviously he tried to go to Madrid the summer before, didn't stayed. Um, when they eventually let him go, the fact they never signed anyone, it almost allowed the Glazers to become, you know, too laid back. Well, if we didn't replace Ronaldo and we still had success, do we need to replace yeah, X? Do we need fine, to replace Y? Fine. And yeah. after a while, when you've done that five times over, shouldn't it, my mic? Uh, when you've done that five over, it's it then becomes a, a major issue at the club. He moves on to Real Madrid, as we just said. So he mm. arrived in 2009. Uh, he wore the number nine shirt because Raul still had the number seven shirt during his time there. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And the, we did one of the ripple effects that you guys put forward. I can't find it now, sadly, I'm afraid. I'm looking at Twitter, but I, I know what it was. Was that So it comes off the back of this stat. So during his time at Real Madrid, he featured in a total of 292... <laughs> I can't even read it. 292 La Liga matches and scored a total of 311 yeah. goals. <laughs> so the, tw- uh, the tweet that someone put forward, which I thought was bang on, was that... This sort of um, stats culture uh, uh, and the expectations of what numbers should be for yeah. a player. The one in two or one in three, actually, which was was fine. And I think now there'd be a better understanding of your role. But it for a period of time with him and Lionel Messi, mm. it was just well, outrageous. Talks, I mean, you look at the, some of these numbers across his career. I think it's players have to go like Harlan would have to score at... 45 goals a season for the next 10 seasons in a row to be able to match Cristiano's numbers. Like are we getting are we, are we getting a ca- getting carried away with Haaland's numbers? No, because I think they are freakish. You know, they are better than Ronaldo and Messi at that age. So but, we're not getting carried away because we've never this, seen though? anything like it. But the, the I the dominance of the top teams. I, I don't think they've ever been more dominant. So when you are more dominant, are you then in the right areas of the pitch and then getting those better opportunities which are then going to lead to you scoring all those goals. Ronaldo at Real Madrid, they are constantly dominant. Like, you know, when they're playing Osasuna, Real Betis, they are constantly dominant. I think... You're right, because I guess as defences get better, people get fitter. I think, like, Haaland, if he can sustain this, then obviously we're going to be seeing a player that is potentially on Ronaldo level I don't think he's going to be as, he's never going to be and in my opinion you know Leo Messi's still the greatest player of all time I think none of these players can compete with him technically but one of the re- biggest ripple effects with Ronaldo is that people look at goal scoring numbers how many is he scoring in how many minutes Haaland is on course to break all records of how many he's scoring in how many minutes. Technically, he's not as good as Lionel Messi, never will be. But if we're just going on goal per 90 numbers, we could we could see it breached. It, it would be remarkable and I can't see it happening because of the fitness of these two players. That is, that is another thing, isn't it? These two. Yeah. Never injured. That's so true. What happened there? That's how, so true. How on earth... Did neither of them snap an ACL, tear a hamstring, tear ankle? Like, something. Never out. Something. Yeah. That is incredible. And but it's, it's a boring conversation. It is. But, yeah, and, but I get what you mean. Like, it is outrageous to play that many games, always be available. And also, so let's get on to the sort of the, the Messi-Ronaldo thing, because 
obviously they push each other. Mm. Obviously. There was a good one uh, from when we were doing pilots for the podcast was that Gareth Bale scores some really clutch goals in Champions Leagues, which allows Ronaldo to have won more Champions Leagues, which I think continues the push with Lionel Messi that might end up allowing yeah. him to to win the world cup there are a few like there's this will be a thing i think from now on so if you are listening and you, you you know you follow me on twitter and you'll see the tweet that comes out when i sort of say oh you know have you spotted anything all roads lead to messi because mm. i think that's the one that everyone wants and so here's a great one from jack grevin so he says ronaldo leaves real benzema is able to stop catering to his play and shine on his own, leading Real Madrid to a Champions League and wins a Ballon d'Or. Then Benzema is recalled to France, but he gets injured. So Colo Muani comes in, who has that last-minute shot, which is saved by Martinez. Messi wins the World Cup. Yeah. On a much broader level, Ronaldo... Do you think Messi... Do you think Messi would have walked away, or more importantly, the other side of it, do you think the, the clamour, the the romance, the desire of that group of players with Argentina, which I felt when I was there. Do you think all of that and that concoction and the storyline that I think really does help lead um, Argentina to winning that World Cup, do you think that occurs if there isn't the Ronaldo-Messi push and head-to-head? Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah, because Portugal didn't win a World Cup. But I think the first international trophy, the... the, um, the Euro 2016. Euro 2016 for Cristiano. I think that pushes Messi to a new level of desire for Argentina. I think the fact that Ronaldo had the international trophy and Messi couldn't compete, that was the one thing that stood out. Yeah. If, um, if Messi never wins the international trophy, can't compete with Ronaldo. That was the narrative, wasn't it? I think that does push him to new levels, and I think it pushes the. I, I do think it pushes the whole squad. Yeah, I think I think Messi's desire pushes the whole squad. Like I think that they want to win it so much for him to get him to a new level. But I don't think that's his desire. That's their desire for him. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think it definitely contributes a massive factor for Cristiano. I mean, there's ripple effects in that. Does Cristiano Ronaldo's injury? You know, when he comes off pitch side, does that mean yeah. that they don't win the Euros if he stays on the pitch for the entire 90 minutes? So, uh, Leah said this as well. Ronaldo getting injured in the Euros and then playing faster football with different tactics in the final and then having different options uh, on the bench and winning. So, is, that, is it Adair or... Is it Elder? Adair? Is it the, uh, the guy who yeah. scores the winner? Is yeah. it Adair, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry. Yeah. I was doubting myself. Does he come on? Probably not. Right. I know he and, doesn't. And you're does, not. You're not taking Ronaldo off. Does, Ronaldo's a target man. By does the point. he? Does he still have the white glove in his in his sock? Does is he on the subspench with that with that celebration ready? Yeah, exactly. He's just just there with a sad sock. I know, and they go on to lose. And Cristiano's coaching from the sideline as well, so maybe his tactical work Acumen. on pitch side isn't tested. So now he goes on to become a coach, and we can push back. In, when he becomes a coach, we'll look back and we'll go, the first ripple effect of Cristiano coaching was a moth landing on him. <laughs> yeah, 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 The true. true moth effect. The moth effect, nice. With uh, Back to Benzema, who didn't score, he was sort of known as a facilitator. Mm. And his goals have just absolutely yeah. exploded since he's gone. I think there's a theme there in terms of the, the Ronaldo effect of that. As much as when he is so elite in football teams, they go on and they win. But he he is stifling. 
Yeah. For he a is. lot of teams that he plays for. Is it what? That must have been the greatest transfer window in football history. Ronaldo, Benzema, Kaká, Xabi Alonso. Well, that was an, another one people were saying that Kaká, who apparently wasn't... I don't remember him that much. I just remember him being a flop. That was the end of Madrid. Van at Madrid, wasn't it? And he obviously went to Hamburg. But I think that that transfer window and Benzema growing alongside Ronaldo allowed him to a level to become the facilitator he became. I think that actually, to some level, helped his game. Do you think that Benzema was held back or do you think that was part of his growth? Do you think without Ronaldo, so so that sort of space where it doesn't matter that he's not scoring that many goals because Ronaldo is, do you think if Ronaldo's not there, he he does score all those goals? Because once he did go, he did score all those goals. Or do you think Mm. that's, that's just kind of fortunate because it was at that stage of his career he was ready to take the mantle I think a bit of both I think he would have still I think he would have gone on to score goals at Real Madrid definitely given his level but would he eventually have been phased out the team earlier because another style of nine came in probably mm. you know he was able to stay in that side and be so consistent alongside Ronaldo because of the longevity of Ronaldo and how well they worked as a team if another striker comes in, do they necessarily have the longevity of Ronaldo's career? Whether he's there for so long performing at such a high level, I'm not so sure. And does the new nine that comes in mean that Benzema's role is just totally devoid? Yeah. I also think, you know, generally when we talk about football, you have your best players and you often, you know, revolve your team around those best players. And that's a, that's certainly what Real Madrid do yeah. now. Look, you've got Vinicius Jr. there as well. And as a two, they're, they're, they're electric. And actually... Every every player, I, I really it's really clicked for me with um, Real Madrid of the, just the the beautiful simplicity of great players being able to do what they're good at mm. in something that doesn't look like it has that much balance. You, like you, you know, I look at like, average positions a lot. Like it often looks off, yeah. but it just suits them so well and suits Benzema so well. But I think with age, he has the Ancelotti more and more trust clutch. factor. Yeah, man, is. it's huge. It's huge. Uh, so he then moves on to. Uh, from Real Madrid after, you know, a solid period there. As I said, 311 goals, sorry, in 290 games. He moves to Juventus and we're going to talk about Man United in the second stint and him right now. Um, but first, Cheeky Apre. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. So he moves to Juventus and this this is interesting because, again, another tweet from someone was, was saying that is there financial ruin? Has that been caused by... Definitely not. Ronaldo. 
No. No, it, no, it hasn't, just to be clear. <laughs> and he did do very, very well. Three years at Juventus, uh, played 98 games, scored 81 goals. Again, that's but, outrageous. But I think there are ripples still being seen of Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus. And the similar ripples can be seen at Manchester United now. And, you know, Benucci was open. Was it Chiellini, potentially? One of the centre-backs, bald ones, uh, come out and said, you know, Ronaldo was great. But as a team, we suffered. And I think the team now, you look at that Juventus side and how it's set up and how badly it struggled this season in particular, I think is a relative function of how it was all geared to Ronaldo. Everything has to be geared to Ronaldo. And they are still recovering from that to a level. They're obviously still got some great players in there. Uh, and Vlavic is kind of finally assuming that number nine berth. But... I think he definitely contributed to... Overall, for me, that transfer was a failure. It was a failure. So I think this is the interesting thing with him is that in, in every sort of topic that we're talking about here, okay, you've got the numbers, fine, but have you got our hearts? He, no. And you know what? I'm, I'll, people, every, there's so many Ronaldo fanboys out there. People will slam me for saying it. But I think he came in at 100 million euros, and let's be real, he came in to win the Champions League. He failed to win the Champions League. They were winning back to back to back to back Scudettos anyway. And importantly, they just lost two finals. Yes. Sort of, I don't know if it was back to back. Two Real Madrid. Close. Yeah, exactly. So, and he'd scored the bicycle kick. Do you remember yeah. the, the crazy bicycle kick? And so you're right. He was brought in now to, to help commercially. There was a gap there in terms of the uh, elite from that point of view. I think they were sort of a, a good, I think 400 million they were making each year, which is, wasn't sort of nowhere near those those kind of, uh, I hate saying super clubs, but those top sides. But they tried clubs, it with Higuain. They did 90 on Higuain, failed to win the Champions League. It was free transfers and yeah. big, big bucks, And then they it? did 100 on Ronaldo and failed to win the Champions League. Yes, he scored goals. Yes, they won Scudettos. But they did. They went backwards in the Champions League. They went backwards in the Champions League. And as you know, Chiellini Bonucci said, they went backwards as a team. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing as well was that financially he came in. I think he was, in terms of their overall spending, he was 20% of it. <laughs> That's how much he costs. But Wild. the good thing, the thing that when we talk about the sort of financial problems for Juventus, like a lot when we talk about Barcelona as well. And again, we, we've done a podcast talking about the PSG, uh, PSG 6-1 game. And that was a sort of starting point for the Neymar mm. transfer. But a big thing, a huge dollop when it comes to the recipe of this is COVID. And so the commercial revenue for Juventus when Ronaldo came in Went, leapt up 30%. Yeah. And so he came in and was kind of sort of worth the money to a point from that side of it. Their followers went from, I think, 40 million to 111 by the time he'd left. So from that point of view, because I think there's also, there's a, a, a ripple effect in terms of player power. Now, someone else might have sort of taken that mantle in, in the sort of digital age. But Ronaldo certainly a driver. But on the pitch, would they have progressed in a different way and found younger alternative options in a more coherent team shape that would have allowed them to progress deeper in the Champions League, yeah. potentially? Yeah, certainly. And and or just be smarter with your money. You know, th they had, it was Mandzukic, they would have had up there like spending that 90 million on, on Higuain. And now uh, football was kind of changing. But when you spend 100 million on someone that, you're not really going to get... It's a massive risk for you to get resale value. Could you have spent 40, 40, 40 
and sort of and and seen if it had worked out that way. The, the chasing mm. of the the biggest teams in the world that was the problem. But when COVID then comes in, the match day revenue, which had gone up because they, I mean this is before Ronaldo, but had gone up because they'd put the prices up. When you lose all of that and you're spending that much on someone, that's that's going to have a problem. So that was mm. a, that was a huge huge part of it. But overall, you know, he did he did well there. But I also think there was. Again, being in Serie A, and, and people dispute this, but that sort of, again, possibly slower nature of it allowed that team to continue to be dominant, but him to not press. Now, as soon as he goes to Man United, because there's that final move, obviously, to Man United, there's two things here. What if he does sign for Man City? Where's Haaland now? At Real Madrid. I think he's at Real Madrid, isn't he? Um... Uh, I mean, would you think they would have still sort of stockpiled him Regardless of Benzema and the well, season he had, I think it would have just been Benzema the facilitator again, wouldn't it? Like, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Harlem would be at Madrid, but um, I'm not sure he would. You know, you think he still goes to Man City as well? No, uh, maybe depending on how Ronaldo's done. But we've how got many to be goals... real here. Do we? I think this was the biggest pump fake in football history by Manchester City. I'm, I, I really, do. I genuinely do. I think Man City thought, you know what, we can. We, this is an opportunity here. I think that this kind of stuff happens a lot in football where clubs go, if we say we're interested, this They'll club will be interested yeah, and yeah. that'll open an we'll avenue panic. here. And I think as soon as Man City went, we're interested. Man United went, fuck. <laughs> like, I really do. I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. their, their uh, like, you know, notion of Manchester City being interested caused Manchester United to m- have a meltdown internally, totally lose their heads because the season prior to that, there was a lot of positivity. You know, United had finished second in the league. There was definite avenues yeah, yeah. opening up. Just needed a few more ingredients. Yeah, and yeah. Varane had come in. Sancho had come in. There was like, wow, this is looking very positive for United. And here. again, Ronaldo, 98 games, 81 goals. Had scored goals. But So the the top line analytics yeah. are, are, are go, this is a no-brainer. This is a guy who will score goals. I just think that Man City went, we can have him here. We can, we can pump fake I think here, that, I think you're being... I think that that feels incredibly he could generous. He feels as about as far away from a Pep Guardiola player as I can imagine. Ronaldo, I, signing I do, wise, I do get that, and a Man City signing. But was he an easy available player when you? When did City ever sign easy available players? They don't. They, they, they are the best. They are probably the best run club in world football. Man City, especially off the field. But one thing that probably was a, up against them was Aguero had finished. There was this. There was. You got to remember the time. You have to remember the there context. Was a narrative there was a lot of chat they needed to forward. But, but which, when which they Pe- obviously wanted because they went and bought Harland. Who does Harland presses sometimes, but not not all when the time Pe- because again they got the ball. To the narrative. He does not care about the narrative. No, no. But uh, there's a narrative to a point. There's a narrative for a reason because there is a uh, there is a common sense idea that you could have done with a striker, and uh, and he has gone on and got a striker. That yeah. isn't a million miles away from what Ronaldo was. But he didn't that summer. Was. He didn't that summer because Haaland wasn't available there. But Ronaldo, with, with Juventus struggling because of COVID and everything else, was kind of available on a but free. But it's not like they went, oh, we've missed that Ronaldo. We've got to get a striker through the door. We've signed a striker. They went season without a striker, won the league. No, and I get that. And again, in the fullness of time, that's that's fine. But I think if that, that opportunity was there on the table, because so the other side of it, you go with the pump fake, you go, ah, because it didn't work yeah. out. Imagine if you sign him and it does work out. 
That's no, that's two fingers up at Man United as well. Yeah, I I just think that Man City as a collective are... You've been chatting to David Ornstein yeah, too much. Yeah, maybe. I just think they are the best run club off the field. In terms of recruitment, they I can't think of many they get wrong. Very, very few decisions in terms of transfer success are negative for Manchester City. And... I just do not believe that Manchester City's recruitment planning department, as detailed and as deep as it is, went week left. <laughs> Ronaldo? I just uh, I don't know. I just weekly meeting. It, Whereas United, <laughs> I can totally see that happening. I can 100% see that happening. Sir Alex Ferguson's on the phone. Get him. Well, yeah. When he, that was what happened, wasn't yeah. it? He sort of made the call, didn't he? He went, yeah. please. <laughs> Hammering Fergie today. I know, but I don't know. I, I, I think it, I could never have imagined him at City. I remember when that story broke, I was like, I'm gutted if he goes to City. It'd be crazy. Do you, do you find in, in our line of work that you're, are you always, do you always go with your chest with opinions? Because I, I feel like I let myself down. Because the Ronaldo, I, I remember saying, You get I mean, swept up though, don't you? So it's the Ronaldo thing, he up. came in and I thought, because again, you have to remember the moment. And in the moment, they'd done well, uh, you know, Solskjaer was a good man, good enough, and they just needed a couple more. Jaden Sancho was unbelievable for Dortmund, so you brought him in. You've brought in a world class centre back. You've brought in a world class striker, and he was a world class striker. That was the perception at the time. Th- two two games in, three games in. I remember I watched it, and I, I was like, "This, I'm too scared to say it because of the you're thinking of the Backlash, abuse, yeah. but also because of the goals, the goals, the goals." I was like, "This doesn't work." But I didn't say it with my chest and I regret it. Do you know what? That's a major ripple. Jaden Sancho's career. I think if Ronaldo doesn't join, Sancho has a much more successful time there at Manchester United. Especially coming into that front line that felt like it was a natural fit. Finally found a right, right winger. All young, hungry forward line being fed by Bruno yeah, Fernandes. Suddenly, pressing, yeah. suddenly it's Ronaldo up front. Everything goes through Ronaldo. I think that that has a negative effect on, on Sancho's career. Um, but... You know, that's not the fault of Ronaldo, really. It's the fault of the planning of of United and it's the fault of, this, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for not finding a system that works. I think that him... I just don't believe that Solskjaer wanted Ronaldo, first and foremost. Like, I think he, they were like, here's Ronaldo. And he was like, I'll take him. Yeah. But I don't think he was like, get me Ronaldo. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure you would have that thought because you would have thought, well, he's just scored all these goals for yeah. Juventus. He's their main man. He's going to stay there. No, but they were trying to offload him at the time, Juventus, weren't they? They were desperately Near the end of it. Him. Near the end of yeah, it, yeah. yeah. I think at the start of the window that he's not going, if City, can we get Ronaldo? If, but if City didn't go, we're going to go for him. I don't think Oli goes, get, like, we're getting Ronaldo. I just don't think, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I feel like United got pump fake there. That's interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, that's just a bit of a conspiracy. That's the greatest pump fake of all time. It's a bit of a conspiracy, but stranger things have happened. I think they were safe either way because I don't think he would have... Because of Man City in particular, their dominance in games, I think that gets forgotten a lot. And, you know, it's their style of play, but it's a known style of play and people set up for that style of play and they're incredibly competent at that style of play. And so for all of those reasons, imagine him, imagine Ronaldo plays a full season... And he does what Haaland does. Now, does he do it as well as Haaland? I, I don't know. Has he got the athleticism of Ronaldo? Definitely not. Of, of, of Haaland? Definitely not. But that cross from De Bruyne to the back post and Ronaldo's there, you could see that as a tactic one year prior that works. Hmm. That's a good one, wasn't it? That was good. Okay, so he goes to Man United. It, uh, it doesn't work. So first of all, he, the way he leaves Man United, 
and maybe it's just recency bias, but what we've seen with Conte, this sort of... Uh, explosive ending. Explosive ending, indeed. Mm. This, yeah, this sort of hand grenade, verbal hand grenade via the media. Because let's say today, Conte goes by mutual agreement. Mm. Really? Well, like, Ronaldo was by mutual agreement. Yeah, but it's, but it's kind of enforced mutual agreement. Yeah, they were is both. Is that yeah. something that we're going to see more and more and more of? I think player power is at an all-time high for sure. Um and him I, and him and his influence full stop is a huge kind yeah. of part of that. I I I still think like the idea that he went on Piers Morgan's talk TV show and didn't Three hour long sit down brutalization of you like it's wild. staggering. It was wild. Staggering. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh I can't imagine that happening too many times again because it went so badly. Do you know what it reminded me? It of? was not a success, that interview, in any way. He not only was well, forced Well financially out... I think he's got he's done all right. I mean I suppose so, but he didn't need money. <laughs> like well, no. I guess I how think... much money do you want? I, I think he thought by going on that, it's going to get me an exit. It's going to get me to a good club. I think by doing that, he sacrificed any hope of getting to a good club. Well, and, and that's what we, what I was saying about Conte in the last mm. podcast was that there is a there is a reaction to when you behave that way. You can't, you know, you can't get that kind of. Um, loyalty from other people because you've burnt you've not just burnt that bridge people have seen you burn that bridge and then they've they're going don't don't come over my bridge yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, only gonna yeah. burn it so I, I but i do think it is something that it was it felt so unique uh it was a little bit similar to lebron james the decision but that was was different because he was going to and he had the club ready yeah. whereas whereas he was just trying to burn it to but the Ronaldo ground claimed he had the clubs ready i've got offers from across here do you know what hurt him with that? I remember him. Get, he said, "I've got I've had offers from one." Like he said, a couple of countries, and they said Australia. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, "No, I'm going to go to Australia, Australian football." But and in he the shouldn't be going went, there. If I wanted to go for the money, I would have just taken the Saudi Arabian offer. We <laughs> did anyway. So like, so what? Yeah. Do you think there's? I think there's lots of ripple effects from that. Mm. First of all, as I say, I think. Again, we'll never know the truth, but I wonder... And I know people talk about Conte and, and him c- continuously being quite volatile in, in press conferences, but it really felt like he was burning his bridge. And did he see something for Ronaldo that's kind of within the confines <laughs> of Con- your contract? Conte's been doing that for years. Yeah. <laughs> Conte's but this been... was next level, though. He was just like, I want out, sack me now. Yeah. Ronaldo's was just as clear, and I wonder if you'll see that in the future. I, I do think that interview is also a... It was the consequence of he was like almost like a he'd got so he's so lost in the source like he's been so good for so long he's like he's like a sort of child star that's kind yeah. of now doesn't really understand his actual like standing and I think it's a very difficult thing for all sports people who are everything they're a god but once those sort of physical attributes start to wane a little bit, people go, oh, no, actually, we don't really need you now. And there's just not that same kind of... He'd be treated one way for so long. Yeah. He then expected for that to to continue. Um, but also, I think it's been good for... It's been a great thing for Eric Ten Hag, don't you think? Oh, his handling of it has been a great thing. I think it's given him an immeasurable amount of power within the players because they saw... Oh God! If he can do this to Ronaldo, and he's not—he's w- willing to just say, "Okay, 
fuck off then he's gonna be perfectly willing to do that with me because I don't have the standing of Ronaldo and I think within footballers they have an even higher level of respect of Ronaldo than we do we're willing to sit here and go ah you know he's all right you fell off we a bit, safely dis- we, we have that safe distance don't we as well I think about that Footballers now that must have occurred for you though as well because you kind of you have to give your opinion you have given your opinion yeah and now sometimes you're interviewing these guys exactly. that you know that you've hammered uh, but, uh, yeah and even but even away from like their opinions of him the respect of how good he has been like feels like it lasts longer within footballers they all seem to be like in awe of him right. so when Eric Ten Hag is like out yeah everybody went oh oh my god and i think that that gave him such a powerful position at the club which is exactly what he needed because some of those players were taking the piss out of the club yeah in the season prior so and 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 as much as i think as i say i think you're in the shadow of ronaldo i think they're also hiding in that shadow yeah oh definitely and it also allowed him to you know just be very, very comfortable in his position because Manchester United were willing to go, we'll back you, Eric. And with yeah, the yeah. backing of the club, it gave him an extra layer of, well, if they're backing me on this, they'll back me on anything. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, yeah, definitely a ripple effect of that interview is a next level of power for Eric Ten Hag at the club amongst the players and amongst the fan base. Yeah. I, I, d- I mean, the one thing I would say, I, I, lo- I love Ten Hag. I think he's perfect. For, for Man United I like his standards and composure I like the mix of those mm. two I don't think there's I think any manager if they just keep quiet after he does that interview I think they would be considered handling it well because he, yeah. he's gone he allowed him to shoot himself in the foot though that was what he did he and, waited yeah. for him to publicly make problems publicly walk down the tunnel against the top and he went he said he didn't want to come on yeah 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 and then Ronaldo <laughs> let him build himself into a floor and you just sit back and relax. That was the final element of power that people forgot that that the manager always had. And going to the World Cup, we saw one of the greatest kind of World Cup debuts of all time in terms of Ramos. Rashado, yeah. Coming in and scoring a hat-trick and how kind of awkward it almost felt him scoring like three goals. But that's, that power that the manager has, although they often feel that they couldn't, and I think probably other teams, again, they could, felt that they couldn't because probably one they've spent all their money on him so the next guy on the bench you can't kind of put him in that spotlight but with Man United that's one little power move that Ten Hag did which was very obvious don't play him yeah and also that that decision to you know say okay you don't want to play for United you're not you're going to be you know taken out of the Sutton out of the squad you're effectively banned from playing that empowered Fernando Santos to make the same decision for Portugal when I think there was some sort of problem off the field, wasn't there? I can't remember exactly what it was at the World Cup. He didn't turn up for training or something like that. And that allowed him to make the decision to drop Ronaldo and play Gonzalo Ramos. I think what it was, was that he reacted angrily to coming off as a substitute. And that allowed Fernando Santos to go, "Okay, you're acting like a petulant child. I'm going to drop you. Which is exactly what Eric Ten Hag had done a month prior. If Eric Ten Hag had never done that, he would never have given Fernando Santos the power to do that subsequently. And that's a good ripple effect there, Jimbo. And that is, again, I always just find it so interesting is that you will you will look away from anything. Mm. You know, uh, my customary Adele Terapt, uh reference here. He was 
embarrassing in terms of his behaviour, but he was he was too good to drop. Yeah. And that's probably occurred with Ronaldo, and you kind of go with him. I know Ancelotti in his book talks about how Ronaldo was a leader of a different kind, where he kind of set by, he wasn't a teammate, but he sort of set by example, and that was yeah. kind, kind of enough, or example in terms of output. But once again, once again, once that wanes and there is a different option, for, you know, football managers are obviously ruthless. When it Here's comes a great to- one. If Gonzalo Ramos joins United this summer as the number nine, off the back of the World Cup hat-trick, it's <laughs> yeah, Ten yeah, Hag yeah. dropping Ronaldo, empowering Fernando Santos to drop Ronaldo to promote Gonzalo Ramos, who then goes on to become a superstar and joins Manchester United, replacing the number nine Manchester United sold, a.k.a. Cristiano Ronaldo, six months earlier. True. Do you want everyone's going to be when uh, Man United play Arsenal again? Have oh, they played them twice now? Twice they have done it. Oh, he got away with it then. I thought Piers Morgan might get under a bit more scrutiny there, but yeah, we've missed out on one there. Yeah, yeah, you could totally see that kind of occurring. But amazing. The, and also, final one again: the circus, the circus, the circus is always, I think, the thing that seems seems to revolve around Ronaldo. Portugal with the talent they've got, and I know they. And probably it was right for him to be the sort of one man team during Euro 2016. But kind of since then, because I, I read a, a report from Daniel Taylor in the, in the Athletic and he was talking about Martinez and if he's brave enough to kind of to take him out. But they asked the public, you know, what what do you want? Do you want do you want him out? Do you want him in? Do you not care? Do you want to allow him to choose? And they're all a little bit kind of confused with it. I would suggest that the end is nigh for him. But the thing I find strange is that Martinez has kind of allowed him to sort of still come back into the fold because you could have made that clean break as manager to do exactly what we've just said, which is don't pick him. Mm. But I think the problem you've done, you've got there for Portugal is that you've actually got a bit of a yes man as your manager who I'm not sure how brave he will be to sort of, you know, put him away. Well, he wasn't brave enough to make big calls at Belgium, was he? Exactly. And and I think the egos sort of ate that team alive by the end of it. Absolutely. Look at Kevin De Bruyne's comments about the aging of that uh, aging of that Belgian team and some of the talents that weren't given opportunities, um, especially at the most recent World Cup. I think that was the clearest indication that uh, he was going to stick by experience, Martinez. And I don't think that's going to change now. His Portugal manager. Yeah, it will be fascinating to see what happens between now and then because that will be the only question when it comes to to Ronaldo. And it's much mm. easier when he's available. And, and firing now when you've got other options and Portugal do have so many options that depth in that squad is absolutely amazing Crazy. I think that Martinez has made a massive mistake by kind of bringing him back what you could have done was going look this is your farewell if you want it would you like it it should not I agree what, he shouldn't have picked Ronaldo playing in the Saudi Arabian League you're not pick, getting picked whilst you play in the Saudi Arabian top tier which is quite frankly national league level football <laughs> like the quality of talent they have in Portugal and across Europe from Portugal is more than enough. You yeah. don't really need yeah, Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. Let Joao Felix play in the middle. Let, let Gonzalo Ramos play in the middle. Let Rafael play in the middle if you want to. You don't need Ronaldo. It's a forced move. Yeah. It's but, a bottle job is what it is. It's a bottle job. Yeah, I guess the the other idea is, that comes from, again, from this article, they're saying that the people of Lisbon were saying that, like, what about, you know, this is the first time he's needed us and we're not showing him any kind of respect i get oh, grow that. up i get that but this is this is elite sport grow up yeah yeah totally agree like there's a moment there's a moment soft yeah exactly and it like yeah so i find that outrageous personally right then guys 
those were the ripple effects of Cristiano Ronaldo's career. Joe, thank you so much, mate, for spending no a bit worries. of time with me. Lovely to chat football with you. Guys, if you've enjoyed yourself and you want to follow this podcast, you can do that right now. It takes one click. There's a five-star rating whilst you are there. Loads of great podcasts to enjoy. Uh, go and enjoy them right now. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.